You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. If you come to the site now, check out all the good stuff that we have there, uh, getting you ready for the fantasy football season, draft preparation, sleepers, uh, busts. I have an article looking at the draft steals there across the board according to average draft position, and there'll also be a story up on the do not draft list to guys that are overrated by their draft position right now going too high at drafts and uh, making them bad values there overall in relation to other players at their position and across the board in the top 200 so check out that as well as the tips advice uh, strategy you need to know to dominate your league that's all about what we do here on locked on fantasy football the team previews check them out they're all in the review rearview mirror we have 32 teams and 32 shows that we did uh, we came back yesterday with some important news and notes coming out of the early stages of training camp today we actually have games to talk about we know what we do here we uh take a look and uh round up these games give you the most important takeaways uh, this is something we'll do in the regular season on mondays uh, here we have to do it on a friday because 11 of the team's games, uh, we had a good chunk of action there to open up the preseason. We already had the Falcons and Broncos. Both of those teams are actually in action for their second preseason game after the Hall of Fame game. But a lot of good stuff to talk about, some debuts, some developing situations across the league with those teams. A few more teams, uh, we'll get to them and uh, wrap them up on Monday's show as we also look to uh, begin our mock draft. So look forward to that, uh, breaking it down there for you all week, mock draft week. For you, uh, keeping in mind the results of these preseason games, adding that to our mix of player analysis. So let's dive right into what we learned from Thursday's preseason games to wrap up the week. We'll start with the Giants and Jets. This one quite couldn't finish because there was some bad weather in the area, and it's a preseason game. And it's uh, between the two New York teams, and uh, there's no reason to extend that. But the Giants played long enough against the Jets to see Daniel Jones, and that was the big thing that developed here is that he was awesome. Uh, Eli Manning came in, three-and-out drive. Daniel Jones just took command of the offense, came in, led a perfect scoring drive there. Nice touchdown pass in the end uh, to close it out. So he just looked locked in, and uh, he resembles a young Eli Manning when you look at the stature, the way he moves around a little bit, has very good arm talent, moves a little bit better, but extremely confident. The Giants had to feel really good about that because everyone gave them so much heat about taking Daniel Jones number six overall, making that big move for him. But there was some vindication with the way he's stepped up, spread the ball around, and not even having a Saquon Barkley out there to help him. So he uh, really was good working with the lesser of the Giants wide receivers and made them look good. And uh, when Barkley and Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard 
are out there uh, along with Golden Tate, who did play. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. And Jones, I don't think he's going to be on the bench for too long this season if Eli Manning continues the play that we've seen from him in uh, previous years. So there's some hope there. That's good for the Giants' skill players. We were worried about the situation. We were worried about Barkley, maybe the attention falling on him. But if Jones can keep pushing and uh, Pat Shermer leaves the door a little bit open for him to take the job over Eli sooner rather than later, and then this Giants offense certainly has a different perspective and uh, we're not as down on it as we thought. Now, let's move on to the next game. It's the Bills and Colts. Uh, What I looked at in the Bills uh, game was the backfield, the way it's coming together a little bit. They had a rugby player, former rugby player, have a big touchdown, Christian Wade, but we know he's not a legitimate threat in this backfield. And we are starting to believe that TJ Yeldon is not a legitimate threat in this backfield. I mean, he looked terrible. He lost a fumble. I was coming off a bad week of practice here. So Devin Singletary, the rookie, did play. Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy are certainly not going to play in a game like this as aging veterans. So overall, you look at it, uh, the Bills' backfield against Singletary is the best investment you can make there. The rookie and the fresher legs, especially if Yeldon's out of there. That makes him a little bit closer to McCoy and Gore, who we know are ancient. Gore is still viable. To me, McCoy is a big durability risk. So Singletary getting a little closer there. What I looked at in the... Colts game is that Devin Funches looks like he could be a key factor here in what they do. Andrew Luck not playing there because of the calf injury, but Funches uh, wants some vindication from his uh, disappointing end with his time in Carolina. And uh, I think he's been overlooked. Everyone's been jumping on Paris Campbell, the speedy rookie out of Ohio State behind T.Y. Hilton, but Funches is going to line up outside as the number two. He's got a big body. He can finish well in the red zone, get a few touchdowns there for Andrew Luck. So Funches is a guy that we're definitely looking at a little bit with more interest in this situation versus what he had in Carolina. The other one of the early games that caught our eye here was the Patriots and Lions. And uh, we didn't see too much from the Lions. They were pretty much were treating this as a kind of a glorified scrimmage for them with the limited to play of uh, key players there. While the Patriots uh, didn't have Tom Brady in there, but... Jared Stidham, and we know that the Tom Brady rumors are there of uh, him possibly hanging it up after this year. There's an out in his contract. They sold the house there or putting it on the market, Giselle and him in Massachusetts. So is there an end there? Are the Patriots trying to turn the page there? Are they finding their next Jimmy Garoppolo? Jared Stidham has definitely had a great week here as a Potential replacement, maybe the next Jimmy G there that they can groom. He's looked good in practices. He looked good in the game. Uh, really taking command of this offense is hard to do as a young player. And uh, so Stidham really on the high trajectory there. Brian Hoyer is going to be their veteran backup, so to speak. But Stidham high upside as a developmental guy behind Brady and Hoyer and someone we're going to keep an eye on, especially if the team pivots and uh, – Gives us an idea that Tom Brady might be hanging it up as early as 2020. At wide receiver, speaking of rookies, uh, Nikhil Harry had some better moments than he's had in uh, off-season practices and OTA minicamp and training camp. Uh, had a couple nice plays there, but overall I still think he has an uphill battle 
He's got to climb up the depth chart and uh, get the trust of Brady when he's out there. They pretty much looked at as many receivers as possible right now. Maurice Harris continues to look good here. The former Redskin, a big slot type of guy, has versatility to be on the outside, playing behind Julian Edelman. So Maurice Harris is where I'm going next. Is a deep sleeper in the Patriots wide receiver core. Still very deep. Julian Edelman is a high wide receiver two, maybe even a wide receiver one with the volume he might get. But at Harry and Harris battle, I don't think Harry made too much ground on Harris at this particular time. It, it will happen. He's a first-round pick. He's got a lot of talent. But right now, I think Maurice Harris is more of the Patriots-type player as that Swiss Army knife and a reliable pass catcher, a good grasp of the game and the offense. So that's pretty key in New England, and we saw that from Stidham and Harris. Now, looking overall here with the next game, uh, we look at the Titans and Eagles. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is a takeaway from this game. Uh, looked pretty good there without Marcus Marietta playing, so there's that uh, with him. He's just uh, kind of a Mariota clone in terms of his mobility, the way he moves around. And we've heard from Mike Vrabel, there's no way right now that Tannehill is starting over Mariota. But you can never say never in this league. Mariota continues to struggle. and They want to get some things done with their new receiving core. They have Adam Humphreys, Delaney Walker coming back from injury, uh, maybe more of Jonah Smith at tight end, and you have A.J. Brown, the rookie. If they want to take advantage of more of that, and Mariota struggles and continues to struggle more, Vrabel, I wouldn't... <laughs> Put it past him to make that change at some point if Tannehill's a better complementary quarterback to what they want to do with Derrick Henry. Will there be a loyalty to Mariota's first-round status from 2015? Sure there will be, but at this point they have to be careful. And uh, The Titans need to think about winning games. They have pretty good defense. They want to stay competitive in the AFC South, and uh, Tannehill is someone to just keep in mind. A little pressure off him now that he's the backup he isn't worried about uh, how he's going to fare on the top level against top teams. So that helps a little bit. But overall, we have to just pay attention to that situation. With the Eagles running backs, uh, we're, we're seeing who's going to kind of uh, last here. I mean, we've had Wendell Smallwood get some work in this game. Uh, just seeing uh, behind Miles Sanders and, and Jordan Howard in some form, who's going to be left? How are the touches going to be distributed? Who's going to be the competition for touches? So... There's still a lot of weeding out that the Eagles have to do here, and uh, I don't think they got much clarity on the back end there, but you'd think Smallwood is going to be the odd man out for sure, and Clement could be headed that way with Sproles back in the mix. So the Eagles could have just played a lot of running backs that are not going to be in their plans all to all for 2019. Now we'll take a look at the other games here. We have six more games to talk about in a moment, but first got to tell you this episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text Five Star to 87000 right now to learn more. As a Five Star Painting owner, you'll also be a part of the great Neighborly community of home service bands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than Neighborly. Every year, 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Gel, Molly Maid, Glass Talker, and Mr. Rooter. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you're already owning and running your own painting company, 
Text five star again to eight seven zero 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 to learn more about how a five star painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than going at it alone. Again, that's five star F I V E S T A R. Text that to eight seven zero 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 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area. And again, we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Fantasy Football. We'll be back in a moment to start looking at the rest of the games from the preseason openers of week one. All right, let's continue with a uh, headliner game here, the Redskins and Browns. It was the debut of Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. Uh, There, it was pretty shaky. He had a pick six there. He threw another interception. He did have a nice pass to open up his uh, career in the preseason, running around and throwing a deep ball. So he showed off the arm, some upside there, but certainly some downside as well and some uh, developmental needs there for Dwayne Haskins in 2019. So it's going to be a while before he sees the field. Case Keenum, on the other hand, pretty good tune-up stand. He threw a wide-open long touchdown there as part of his starting gig there for the Redskins. Uh, Four of nine, though, not setting the world on fire, but in relation to uh, Dwayne Haskins making some pretty critical mistakes, it's clear that Keenum deserves to be the starter right now ahead of Haskins. I think Haskins' goal right now is to displace Colt McCoy and be that number two at some point in the preseason, but with all the talent he has, arm athleticism, I still think it's uh, leaning toward a Keenum starting situation initially, and Haskins is going to have to work for it. And uh, We'll see. The receiving core and the supporting cast are shaky, so that doesn't inspire much in the Redskins passing game, but I think Haskins, when he gets in there, is going to give all those players a little bit more upside. On the other side, Baker Mayfield came out really sharp, but looked good with all his receivers. Rashad Higgins came through and uh, made some big plays as the leading receiver. So you can't forget about all these other Browns receivers helping Mayfield, but also Nick Chubb being solid in the backfield. So it's going to be a well-rounded, balanced offense. I don't think you're going to see the big spike numbers from anybody that you would expect, but Browns certainly in mid-season form with uh, the way they're operating in Mayfield, and that was good to see. Our next game here was the Falcons and Dolphins. And uh, with that one, we wanted to look at the Falcons' backfield a little bit more here. And uh, Caudry, Ellison, Olsen, and uh, Brian Hill, who's going to cut into that work with Ito Smith behind Devonta Freeman? Well, I think Brian Hill really has stood out in practices, so I think he would still be the man. Ellison has a little bit uh, better uh, playing ability there than... A lot of people expect, but I think Brian Hill is the leader there and could cut into Ito Smith in that role behind Devonta Freeman. So overall, it's a a uh, interesting de- development there to see how uh, this Atlanta backfield will play out. Freeman again has an injury history; is getting a little older, so we do have to pay attention to that handcuff situation as it develops here in uh, the preseason for Atlanta. We look at, uh, on the other side, the Dolphins. I mean, we've pretty much thought the whole offseason that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the bridge quarterback there for the Dolphins, but Josh Rosen is dealing. He, I think he's taking it to heart, has that chip on his shoulder that the Cardinals gave up on him quickly, and uh, now he wants to prove to this uh, Patriots-themed coaching staff with Chad O'Shea that he should be the man and get his opportunity here, and maybe Miami doesn't have to just lock into taking a quarterback early there in the 2020 draft so every Rosen 
throw comes with a little extra motivation. He wants to win the job now. He wants to win the job later. He wants to show that he shouldn't have been discarded so quickly as a first-round pick in 2018. So that's good to see. That's going to help the Dolphins. Receivers are not too bad when you look at Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills and a team that's going to probably have to throw a lot with really a lot of defensive issues. So you just want a distributor who can get the ball to those guys to uh, increase their uh, sleeper value, deep sleeper value, and Stills and Parker certainly have that a little bit more if Rosen keeps showing that kind of juice and if he does, he's going to displace Ryan Fitzpatrick here to backup status only. At running back, uh, Kalen Bellage was getting a lot of work here in play, and it's pretty clear that the momentum was with Bellage to turn this into a split with Kenny and Drake, with Drake being more of the passing game type back. Uh, see those situations, uh, maybe a few split in the red zone work between Bellage and Drake, but the Dolphins went in with an open mind offensively with their coaching staff, and that's what you're seeing that they didn't have any preconceived notions about Fitzpatrick versus Rosen, Drake versus Balaj. They're opening things up, and that's what we're seeing. And that's what it should be like for a young team that was looking for a lot of answers and in rebuild mode here in uh, 2019. Our next game is the Texans-Packers. We didn't really have too much to talk about there with these two teams. Uh, Texans played a lot of backups, so we didn't see any of their key guys. Uh, we know they added uh, Duke Johnson Jr., so we didn't see that backfield situation play out yet with Lamar Miller. The Packers' backfield, however, we saw Dexter Williams, the rookie. I've always liked this guy. Uh, he had carried some momentum with Notre Dame season, big play runner, underrated receiver, and I think he could have a role behind Aaron Jones, and I really like him Really, skill-wise, better than Jamal Williams at this point. So, Dexter looked pretty good there out there. The rookie from Notre Dame had a big year to make sure he was drafted here late by the Packers on day three. So, Dexter, this is a good running style. I think there's a little bit of Aaron Jones for him in this offense. And, again, new coaching staff, chance to impress. Uh, They're not tied necessarily, locked into Jones as much. I think Jones is still going to be the feature back over Jamal Williams, but Dexter really made a case for some uh, change of pace touches here behind uh, Aaron Jones, and that can only help the Packers overall get better, score more points, put Aaron Rodgers in more positions to succeed and uh, produce at a very high level. The next game we look at is the Panthers and Bears, and it was all about the running backs here. Uh, for the Panthers, it was about their backups. So Cameron Artis Payne, Jordan Scarlett, Elijah Holyfield. Holyfield scored a touchdown and a swing pass there from uh, Will Greer. Holyfield trying to hang on to one of these spots. Uh, Jordan Scarlett was the draft pick. He's got some juice that think he's going to be the guy behind Christian McCaffrey, but really comes down to, can Cameron Artis Payne hold his job over Elijah Holyfield in that power back role? So we'd expect a big committee approach there should McCaffrey go down with Scarlett seeing some of the early down work uh, there uh, and uh, maybe some of the receiving work. It was Curtis Samuel splitting in those duties uh, from wide receiver as well. But in terms of the power role, it's open between Holyfield and Cameron R. Spain. If Holyfield continues to show some versatility and uh, catch passes, some people thought he was just a stone slow runner and he didn't offer too much more. That's going to give him some uh, juice in this battle to get decent backup status behind uh, Christian McCaffrey. And in Holyfield's case, it's making the team as well. So complication a little bit with Alex Arma, the fullback, having to be carried by the Panthers, but 
again, continue to watch that between Scarlet, uh, Artist Payne, and Holyfield to figure out who might be the volume guy behind McCaffrey most, uh, because they're going to have to go committee. There's no one in that group that can be as special as McCaffrey, but if they can do a few things that McCaffrey does, that's going to put them in line to get the top replacement touches there for him. For the Bears, David Montgomery, what a week for him. He bowled over people in practice early. A video went viral there. He continued it uh, with a nice little touchdown run against the Panthers in this one. So overall, you got to be excited about David Montgomery. He continues to climb up draft boards. Uh, getting closer to Josh Jacobs for the title of the top running back drafted here as a rookie in 2019. So something we'll definitely watch with great interest. We have two more games to talk about, including the debut of first overall pick Kyler Murray for the Cardinals. But I got to tell you, remind you that the new Lockdown NFL is on fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows anywhere. The expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williams and hosted by Brian Peacock, Lockdown NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Lockdown NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. We'll be back here to wrap up the final two games of the opening night of preseason week one in 2019. All right, uh, let's turn to the much-anticipated debut of Kyler Murray, Cardinals quarterback, unquestioned starter as a rookie, first overall pick. And uh, what we have here is uh, just a special player coming into his own right away. He stepped in confident, uh, comfortable, Handling everything and throwing the ball around. Trent Sherfield, uh, not even a, a top-level receiver that he's going to throw to most of the time. Keyshawn Johnson, the rookie, had a play, but he stepped out of bounds. He had good chemistry finding David Johnson on a screen. Found Larry Fitzgerald on a short RPO. So this kid is totally in the mix and the shotgun spread. They have four receiver sets and not even his best receivers out there, not even a chance to really take off and run, scrambled on one nice play and made it pretty well in a first down throw to Sherfield. So the goods are there. The hint of him having a big season and delivering in fantasy football are certainly all there. We didn't even see him uh, throw a deep ball or uh, just run here. And we know he's going to have plenty of opportunities to, to do that. And Cliff Kingsbury was trying to, Play things safe, not reveal everything, what, what he plans to do with Murray, and pretty much the sky's the limit with this kid. Because unlike other rookies, he just has an innate comfort level of an offense that's kind of built for him. I mean, they went after Cliff Kingsbury with the chance to take Murray first overall in mind. So they went hand-in-hand. Hand. This is a good meshing of quarterback and head coach, and they're just getting started, and uh, we should be very excited about it for fantasy because – this team that is going to struggle defensively, I don't think they're going to focus and be an obligatory power running the ball with Johnson. Johnson's going to be a bigger threat as a receiver, a la Christian McCaffrey. So it's going to be fun when Christian Kirk is in there on a regular basis and Andy Isabella can be a factor here. There's going to be a lot of weapons for Murray for uh, his uh, throwing and running to be very successful here and put up uh, QB1 numbers in 2019. So great auspicious start there for reality and fantasy football purposes. On the other side, I feel like the Chargers did a little trolling of uh, Melvin Gordon and maybe, hey, Melvin, uh, you better get back here soon because uh, we're just fine with these two guys, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. And this is the biggest thing that I think Gordon and his camp have kind of whiffed on that this team was 4-0 with Eckler and Jackson. Eckler and Jackson, we know, 
especially the latter, was a good fantasy football option because he scored touchdowns. Well, Eckler, we know, has some PPR value because he was involved well in the running game. He picked up where he left off. Very efficient. He's going to get all the yards that are there as a runner. He's going to shoot out of the backfield and uh, get the key catch yards as well. So Eckler and uh, Jackson, if Gordon is serious about this holdout, we keep rising the values of these two guys. Again, you have to treat them as a split committee situational where Eckler has the more value in PPR, Jackson way more value in standard. But overall, I mean, this is just a hint to Melvin Gordon here, get here, or we're going to split the carries between these two guys and be just fine, and we'll move on from you if your demands are too high. So all things to consider there, and uh, we'll see if that uh, changes Gordon's mind. He comes back in the fold, and we can trust him more as an RB2. Or the Chargers... continue to hold their ground strong and uh, continue to think about ways to increase the roles of Eckler and Jackson. Now, finally, we'll look at the Broncos and Seahawks, and we've been talking all about backfields here. Those are the key takeaways for most of the preseason, and the Broncos and Seahawks are no different. Really, the question is similar in both these teams. How are second-year backs Royce Freeman and Rashad Penny going to be factored more into the offense and you have Philip Lindsay and Chris Carson everybody loved them and their production last year in fantasy football but there was also that lingering thing with the third back there Devonta Booker there in the Denver situation and with the Seahawks it was Mike Davis Booker is kind of being faded here as they got the Riddick maybe to have a very limited passing game role over Booker so it's being streamlined to the two backs here in both cases and uh, Freeman uh, definitely made his case that he's going to be in a split straight up with uh, Philip Lindsay more and more ran very well there in this game Rashad Penny with Carson uh, resting here did a lot as a runner and a receiver for Seattle so these guys are going to be earning that equal split with their guys that we think with uh, Philip Lindsay and Chris Carson I just feel a little bit better about Chris Carson being more regular we didn't see him in this game that uh, Penny is going to be more of a a split guy, but I still see it more that uh, Carson is going to have the share of the workload versus Penny instead of uh, Lindsay versus Freeman. I see Carson having a little bit more value because of that than Lindsay in his situation with the split. So some things to watch there. And uh, again, a lot of teams that don't have that special one back or don't want to overwork one player who they think has some physical limitations. And I think Broncos and Seahawks definitely fall under that category where they want to use the unique skill sets of all the backs that they have. And uh, I think uh, with the, these coaching staffs, I think that's exactly what you're going to get. It worked very well last year for Seattle, so they're not going to change it. Denver wants to get there to complement its running game better, and now that's what you're going to see as well. So there you have it. There's 11 games for you and uh, the takeaways from all those preseason games that you need to know as you continue to mull over your fantasy football draft picks here in 2019. For Locked On Fantasy Football, thanks so much for listening to the show. And this week, we'll be back next week to start our mock draft specials here to get you ready for what you need to do when you're on the clock.